Hey, welcome to the third episode of the Small Batch Podcast. I am your host, Chris Farmond, and we have an amazing show lined up for you today. We had an opportunity uh, to interview Joey Redner, the brainchild behind Cigar City down in Tampa, Florida. And we'll be hearing that interview later on. But before we get to beer talk, we are my family is now uh, a party of four. As I mentioned in the last couple episodes, we were expecting a baby and did not know the gender. Well, the baby was born on Sunday morning, October 13th at 10 a.m., 8 pounds, 6 ounces, 20.8 inches long. As I mentioned in the last episode, my wife and I... Th- we're pretty sure it was going to be a boy. We were we were we were dead set that it was a boy. I would have probably bet the farm, or at least half the farm. Needless to say, we would now be homeless if I had bet the farm. We had a girl, uh, and we named her Rhea, and she is amazing. She is beautiful, kind, and gentle. We're loving having her around. My wife is completely over the moon about having a girl. Mommy and baby are both recovering very well. Uh, We were actually home from the hospital in 24 hours. It was quick and speedy delivery. Thank you to our OB and thank you to Baptist in downtown for a good experience. Before we get to the interview with uh, Joey Redner, I want to do my usual catch-up of what's going on in the beer world or what's going on in my beer world in the last month. So I know the Great American Beer Festival just wrapped up, and as much as I wanted to be there, could not make it. I plan on going next year. But from the, the brewers and, and friends that I've talked to, they said it was it was another success. I never realized how many awards are given out at that festival. It is truly an amazing list it just went on forever i mean there must have been 30 or 40 or 50 awards that i read through it uh, seemed like it 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 turned out pretty well for the the year next thing i want to discuss is the the wonderful government shutdown as we're all experiencing as i'm recording this last night you know there was a a vote to raise the debt ceiling and to fund the government (laughs) to relieve the shutdown, which means the TTB will be coming back online. But everywhere I've been reading, and I, I, I subscribe to an RSS feeder, which compiles all my info, all, re, all articles that have to do with brewery and beer. And I must see like two or three articles a day come by with specific breweries having issues with labels, applications, well, it's it's not new it's not news to anybody anymore. The government's shut down. The TTB is not an operation. Label approval, new applications are on hold. Site visits are on hold. They're not going to come visit you. However, tax returns and tax payments are due on time. That's just that's just the nature of the beast. In our tax practice here, we just had a big deadline on October fifteenth, and the IRS is shut down. Try to call them. It says. See you later. We're not here. But tax returns and payments were due. And I've heard through the grapevine that the collections department, even though you can't talk to them, is still in operation. It's kind of how it rolls. Uh, we're not going to get service, but uh, we still owe it on on the tax side. Those are the rules. So we just we just move on with it. Over the next couple of months, the brewers I talk to, I'm going to you know really dig down and see how the shutdown affected them. 
in in one interesting article that came across, and I actually posted it onto my website, sbstandard.com, under the blog section. It is a article from the SheboyganPress.com. Uh, Wisconsin actually has decided to bypass the federal government and say Wisconsin accepts beer apps during shutdown. I, I really love this. I'm not one for uprise or anarchy. Uh, at the end of the day, I am a CPA. I kind of conform to the rules, even though if and when you meet me, I, I'm kind of different than your normal CPA. However, Wisconsin is really going against the grain to keep craft brewing going in their state. Uh, and I like this. The state the legislature, in the, they get it. They understand what it means tax revenue-wise. They understand what it means community-wise. They understand what it means uh, attracting business and people to their state. So it's it's good. I, I while craft beer is is a is a huge buzz right now and people are loving the rich taste they're having, when a brewery decides to open up, a community is born. And with that community comes outreach and giving to the not for profit and underprivileged. It's a place for people to come hang out and taste really good good products. So Wisconsin seems to be ahead of the curve in not wanting to slow that down. And I, I understand every state has their own limited resources and, and budgets and what they can and can't do, but I just love the stance that Wisconsin's taking to to keep it going. And I'm sure their brewers are loving it too. We may I may try to get someone on the phone to talk about who lobbied that and who rallied on that and how it all came about. What's on the brewery calendar for the next couple of months coming up? Um, I know that Brewbound.com is having a session. They call it the Brewbound session. Brewbound session in San Diego, December 5th, I believe it is. And they're having some pretty heavy hitters speak there. If you go to Brewbound.com, you can go and learn more about their their session. And it, it's intended for growing breweries and breweries that need to collaborate with other breweries on what they did to get where they are. I'm going to try to get there. I don't know if I'm going to right now. I, I feel like I need to take another trip before the Craft Brewers Conference next next year in Denver. So I may try to get out to San Diego. I'm going to be in San Diego in January for something else. I may try to do a two-month deal, December and January, so we'll see. Lastly, I want to invite everyone to my website, sbstandard.com, where we really uh, pounce on the, the myth behind the accounting and the tax compliance in breweries. Uh, we, we love our process. It's a proven one. It's great. It works. With that being said, it's now time to move to our interview part of the episode. I, I want to start off by saying I had an amazing talk with, with Joey Redner. These guys are, are game changers. For those of you who don't know, Joey is the brainchild CEO founder of Cigar City Brewing in Tampa, Florida. They're the Florida you know, brewery to to model, to emulate. He's grown this thing exponentially year over year by producing really delicious beer. We don't, we get a few few things up here, but anytime I, I'm down there south of Orlando, I make sure to stock up on it. My brother lives in Orlando. He brings it up all the time. We're starting to see more and more of it in Jacksonville as they expand their distribution, but really grateful to sit down with us and kind of share his story, where he was before, where he is now, and a few other fun tidbits about him. So I hope you enjoy the interview. Joey Redner coming at you now. 
Hey, I want to welcome Joe Redner to the Small Batch Podcast. Joe, thanks for joining us today. Uh, thanks for having me, Chris. As, as most you know, Joe is the founder and uh, CEO of Cigar City Brewing in Tampa, Florida, and they are really making some, some big waves in the, the brewing industry. I know from a lot of the news feeds that I see, he, he at least, the, the brewery is you know, mentioned at least once a week, if not more, on um, accolades and, and improvements and, and stuff they have going on. Um, so, Joe, tell us a little bit about uh, kind of tell us about yourself. Tell us a, a you know a back a little background about you before before brewing. Uh, so, you know, I mean, a beer geek, someone that you know kind of came at beer. You know, I'm 40, so I came at beer. You know, turning 21 in Florida, you know, almost 20 years ago, there wasn't a lot of options. And it was kind of just before the first real sort of microbrewery uh, boom and then bust. And just not having a lot of options and access to beer. You know, I, I kind of went through, you know, all the all the macro pale lagers that were out there. And that was a time when you had brands like, you know, Red Wolf and Red Dog and Ice House sort of kept coming out in Southpaw. And so I kept thinking, oh, I'll keep trying these beers. Eventually, I'll like one of them. Um, and I think because I had that mentality that I didn't like anything that I was trying, that I was always willing to try something new because, hey, it couldn't be – I couldn't dislike it anymore. Um, it just so happened that, you know, pale lagers, which were obviously the dominant style, it was it's just a style of beer I really don't like. I mean, there's others I don't like. I don't like smoked beers. Uh, but they, smoked beers weren't all over the place. Pale lagers were. So just I think because I always had that mentality of I didn't like the beer that I could find, I was always willing to try something new. So when I saw this first wave of – of beers coming out, you know, Rhino Chasers, uh, Berg Grants, Abita, all beers that were new to me, Sierra Nevada, uh, I was willing to give them a shot. Um, and then, you know, I found the flavors there that I really enjoyed and, and it sort of let me know that yeah, there was beer out there that, that I, that I could like and enjoy. And then in 96, I took a trip to Portland, Oregon for a wedding and I'd heard about Portland and beer, but I, you know, I'd never experienced it. And, you know, out there I, I got to really try sort of fresh, uh, you know, fresh American style beers that were incorporating, you know, hops that were fresh. And, and that really opened my eyes. I was able to, you know, I really knew that, that it existed then and that, that you could find, um, you know, better beers. So I took a bunch back with me and, and was going all over Tampa trying to, you know, Hey, do you carry this beer? Do you carry that beer? And yeah. nobody did, but I knew it existed. Once you know, something exists, you know, you'll you'll seek it out. So that's kind of what started it. Sort of started me on the path of beer geekdom was was that it wasn't there wasn't easy access to it, and I just kind of treaded water and just sort of drank what I could find for years uh, before I really started getting into trying to learn sort of you know other breweries that were out there and other styles, and then eventually getting into trying to make some of them. Yeah. So tell us how Cigar City was born. Um, it, you know, it kind of came again. It, it it sort of came out of me as a beer lover wanting to see, you know, wanting to have the scene, the beer scene that I saw in other places, kind of wishing that was here, wishing I had more options. Um, you know, there was some good beer here, but it was mostly relegated to brew pubs. It couldn't leave there. So if you wanted that experience, you had to go there and then leave it. You couldn't take it out the door with you. Um, so, you know, it was nice, but I, I just felt like, you know, a city the size of Tampa should have a packaging brewery and you look around the country and you see a city that's the size of Tampa or, you know, the, the greater Tampa Bay area, you know, two and a half, three million people, you know, there's usually several packaging breweries. And, and I thought we really stood out for having literally none. Um, 
that were, you know, making craft beer. So I, I kind of, you know, I had it in my mind that I really liked the beer industry and wanted to work in it. I, I, I tried to get jobs in the beer industry. I worked for another uh, local packaging brewery um, that was doing real small volume and doing limited uh, package, mostly draft. And I uh, just tried to stay in the industry. And in the interim, I, I kind of figured, well, someone's eventually going to open one in Tampa. And boy, it'd be really good to have the experience and be able to go work for that guy. Uh, so you know, I kind of was just sort of learning everything I could about here, trying to stay involved in the industry. So, you know, when that guy opened his brewery, I could, I could go work for him and it, it just never happened. You know, one year after the next, it, there was rumors that someone was going to open a brewery and it just never really happened. Um, eventually a, a guy, uh, named, named Bob, who's, who's in Tarpon Springs, uh, Bob Sylvester, he opened a, a brewery literally, you know, on a shoestring budget called Saint Somewhere, and he specialized in, in in funky Belgian styles. And that kind of that sort of solidified. Look, you can do this. You don't have to do it huge. You can start relatively small. Um, so I kind of all of you know, in waiting for someone else to open a brewery, it, it sort of brought a lot of questions. Why isn't anyone doing it? Is it too expensive? Is it too hard to get the product to market? Um, are, you know, the raw ingredients too hard to get here? And I started answering those questions. And in, in doing that, I sort of developed a business plan. And eventually, I just got to the point where I was like, you know, I think I can make a go of this and, and, and you know, set about that path. And that's really what led to Cigar City Brewing. Yeah. I, I had a chance to drive down and visit your tap room about uh, a couple months ago. And at the time um, that you weren't open, I, Justin showed me around the place. And uh, you ha- I saw you had a cigar rolling station in your tap room and then he said there were talks of a of a cuban um a cuban sandwich uh was it a truck or have those plans come to life and kind of tell us about the cuban connection yeah so 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 tampa is a city that was largely uh settled by spanish cuban and uh sicilian immigrants and it was you know it it came about from the uh from the cigar factories uh there's there's no significant tobacco uh we just lost you joe grown here uh but it's but because of the humidity it's it's a great climate for aging and obviously for rolling so uh said okay so so vincente ybor in the uh in the late 1800s he, you know he kind of came here and set up the first large uh cigar rolling factory and others followed behind him and that's really you know tampa was just kind of a sleepy fishing village prior to that there wasn't much going on here and it was the cigar industry that really came and 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 got the city started. And it's you know obviously it's a very important part of its of its roots, its heritage, is is the the Cuban influences. So because that's part of of sort of what you know what made Tampa what it is, we just you know I've always thought that it was important to reflect that. So so that's one of the reasons that you know you come here. You've you've got the cigar roller, the Cuban sandwich uh, is particular at least the way it's done in Tampa is particular to Tampa. Um, if you go to Miami, a Cuban sandwich is not going to have salami because of that Sicilian influence here. You do get the salami on the Tampa Cuban. And that really is sort of, when I think of a Cuban sandwich, it's the Tampa Cuban sandwich specifically. Um, just, you know, some of those unique, uh, y- unique historical footnotes that sort of collectively build to, to, to give, you know, something, the feeling of what it is. And then in, in this case, in Tampa, you know, cigars, Cuban sandwiches, that, that, that Latin, Cuban, Spanish uh, culture is a, is a big part of, of what Tampa is. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, I always like to hit, like, uh, legislative issues, um, and I don't want to talk about this, this shutdown. I know it's affecting you guys. It's affecting so many breweries around, um, but 
tell, talk to me about what's on the Florida uh, legislative radar now and, and what you would like to see changed and why. The big thing that's on the radar for Florida uh, legislatively is that, you know, the 64-ounce growler rule. It's, it's one of those things where it doesn't, it doesn't really have a huge impact on your business. You know, you just adjust. You sell a gallon or you sell a quart. But it's just one of those things that's just so manifestly silly that you're willing to you're willing to invest a lot of energy into getting it fixed just because it's so silly. Um, there's just no conceivable reason why I can sell you a gallon of beer but not a half gallon, but I can sell you two quarts but not a half gallon. Mm-hmm. So put a lot of effort into fighting that. Unfortunately, anytime you propose change to a legislation, it sort of opens up the door for someone to stick something even more ridiculous on. So we kind of ran into that last year. Um, we're hoping this year with a very simple bill like we did last year um, with very simple language. It's, it's really not even new language. It just, it just strikes some of the old language out of the bill. Um, it'll, it'll open up all the middle sizes of growlers. So you can do, you know, the, the German 33 liter, you know, and you can do the, the, the 64 ounce and, and you can do the, uh, the magnums, things that we just, we can't do in Florida now. Um, and we're also hoping to be able to do, uh, beer tastings on sites at places that are licensed to sell beer, either package or on premise. Currently you can walk into a liquor store and then give you a sample of, you know, 180 proof liquor, uh, or they can give you a sample of a 12 or 13% wine, but they cannot give you a sample of a 5% alcohol beer. Uh, even if they even if they have a, a license to sell package, they cannot sample it. They have to have an on-premise license, and so that's a disadvantage that that, that in-state breweries have over in-state distillers and uh, and vendors. So so that's two simple things we're trying to get changed. So I, I wasn't aware of that. that that's a, the the um, tastings is an interesting one. So when I see, uh, for example, Bold City in Jacksonville uh, does doing a tasting at Total Wine, why are they allowed to do that there? The the reason they would be able to do it there is that Total Wine would have an on premise consumption license. Okay. So, for example, if you have a if you have a license to sell beer to be consumed on the premise, well, then you can give a sample away because it's covered under your license. Yep. But if you go into a place that only has an off premise license, currently you could still give someone a sample of wine or liquor, but not beer. Yeah, man, these I, I'm learning. I'm learning so much about all the laws that kind of were birthed from prohibition, and I would imagine this is an old one. Uh, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I'm not sure exactly how far it goes back. I'm pretty sure that the, uh, the the distillers and the venters actually did get it changed to accommodate them. It just never got changed for malt beverage. So yeah, I I suspect it is a pretty old law. Yeah, but the the um, the, the laws that were enacted then are just they seem really. Um, Draconian. <laughs> yeah, at least at least to say. At least to say. Yeah, I've always thought it was. You know, I always thought it, it it was kind of funny because you know you you get into the South and and that's where you sort of get the most strength of of you know people that tend to be politically to the right. Get the government out of my life. Get the government out of my personal business. But yet, when you look at the South, they have you know they 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 have the highest taxes on on alcohol. They yep. they tend to have the most restrictive laws. Um, it, it just always kind of seemed a funny dichotomy to me because if you look at the states where they have fairly liberal alcohol laws, they are they tend to be liberal states: uh, California, Oregon, Washington, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Let's switch gears here for for one minute. And and you mentioned that one to me. You mentioned one of your hobbies is quantum mechanics. 
<laughs> Come on, man. What was that all about? Uh, you know, it just, it, it just fascinates me uh, how how the universe works and and how counterintuitive uh, it is when you get down to very small levels. You know, um, experiments like the you know the double slit experiment and and uh, you know Schrodinger's cat, where the cat is both simultaneously alive and not alive, and just you know the the whole idea of of breaking down a wave function, how how nothing really exists until someone tries to quantify it. It's just fascinating to me. And I, I, I can't help but read about it. Any, you know, I, a lot of my news alerts are, are things that are related to, to, uh, CERN and, and, you know, the, the, like the hunt for the Higgs boson. That was like, that kept me riveted. So this has nothing to do. You cannot, uh, parlay this into beer making at all or beer selling at all. Uh, pr- no, probably not. We did once do a beer. Uh, we did a collaboration with, uh, with Mickler, Mickel, and, uh, Mickel actually used to be a science teacher. And so for the names, we actually chose Niels Bohr, who's a very famous Danish physicist sure. and, uh, uh, Paul Dirac, who's a, uh, was a French physicist, but actually ended up teaching at FSU here in Florida. So, so we, we sort of named the beers after them. Gotcha. And then we did a, a combined blend of those two called Niels Borium, which is uh, which was a, a element that was named after Niels Bohr. That's, that's funny. So, what's the next uh, conference you're going to be attending, where people can you know c- come pick your brain, can come meet you, and and figure out what what how Cigar City has become so successful? Uh, I believe I believe that we're going to be in at Brewbound uh, in. Um, December around December fourth or fifth in San Diego. Okay. Um, I'm not 100 percent sure on that, but I think that we are going to be doing something with that. Uh, either Wayne or myself. Uh, we're going to be out at uh, at Sierra Nevada's. Uh, I, I, I'm having trouble remembering, but I believe it's Fresh, Wet, and Wild. It's their first uh, kind of fresh hop, wet hop festival. We're actually going to be out at that this weekend. It's the Sierra Nevada Single Fresh, Wet, Wild Festival, and it takes place. Let's see, Saturday, October 19th from 1 to 6 p.m. at the Sierra Nevada Hop Field in Chico. Nice. So we'll be out there for that this weekend. And you will, you'll obviously be in Denver next next um, CVC, yep. Craft Brewers Conference in We'll be at the Craft Brewers Conference. Yeah, you know, I actually did all this stuff to submit a seminar proposal for the CBC. And then uh, when I submitted it, it timed out. And I just I just was too frustrated to go resubmit it. So I don't know if I'll be on a – unless they invite me to be on another seminar. I don't know that I'll specifically be doing one like, like we did last year. Yeah. I remember that last year. Um, you could maybe reach out to – I know I submitted a few. You could reach out to Sarah – um, I can give you her her email after the the, the show's over. But um, and then one last question for you, man. This is this is the biggest debate these days because I have let's just say my hot palate is not developed yet. Okay, and and the question is going to be uh, delicious or big. And uh, I went to the last CBC with the idea in mind that every beer was just going to be this big, bold, really hunky, hoppy. Um, beer and it's it's not the case and and one beer that sticks out in my mind that is um, both delicious and and big is y'all Cigar City's Highlight. Um, I think the only place I can get it in Jacksonville is Mellow Mushroom and at the beach, and I I enjoy it every time I go out there. So, kind of tell me what's on what you what you're thinking about when you're developing a beer and whether you guys are aiming for delicious or you're aiming for big. 
I think you're always aiming for delicious, uh, sometimes big as the result, because, you know, it's just the nature of it's the nature of brewing. If you want to get a lot of flavor into something, you, you can do it with hops, but then you're, you're going to get a hoppy beer or you can do it with malt. Uh, you can do it with yeast, but sometimes to to really get enough of the flavor. And I'm, I'm definitely one who likes flavor intensity. Um, I, I've, I've definitely grown as sort of how I like hops. Uh, I tend to drink a lot more hoppy beers than I used to. I've always been a bit of a malt head, uh, and I still am, but, but I find myself starting with IPAs and pale ales more than I used to in the past. But as far as concept, you know, you're really going for, you're going for whatever your original inspiration was, which I know Wayne and myself, we tend to look at, for culinary inspirations we tend to look for foods and try to find get a beer to to mimic that in a positive way but yet still be a beer um and sometimes to do that you know it's just the nature of the foods if you like foods with big flavors you tend to need a big beer to carry that Mm -hmm. um you know i think like with our approach to pumpkin pie a lot of pumpkin beers you know they tend to be sort of session strength five percent but i think a pumpkin you know it's just when you think of the mouthfeel of it it's got a thick sort of consistency to it so i just think you kind of had to have a bigger beer to carry that flavor um and i think it tends to it it tends to come across that way in a lot of our beers but not always you know we do you know we've done beers as low as one percent alcohol um and we do quite a few beers that are really in the in the five to six percent range i'd say the bulk of of what we do is in that range Mm -hmm. um but Sometimes you, you do have to go bigger to get where you're going. Okay. So it's, it's, um, but yeah, delicious is the, the flavor is always the first thing you're going to. And, and that may end up being a 5% beer. It may end up being a 12% beer. It just really depends on what you've got to put in there to get what you're trying to achieve. Gotcha. So you guys focus on delicious and sometimes you got to go big to get there. To, to get the result that we're going for. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Sounds good. Well, hey, Joe, I really appreciate the the interview, and um, we look forward to seeing a lot more uh, good things coming out of Cigar City. I know I mean, you guys have been, like I said in the beginning, crushing it, and I think you will continue. So um, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, cheers. Thank you, Chris, for having me. Anytime.